Hi there. Welcome to Rome Business Radio. I am Roger Manus. We are broadcasting from our remote Hardy Realty studios, and we work in cooperation with the Rome News Tribune, and we've got a great, fantastic special show for you today. We are going to talk movie-making business in regards to the Rome International Film Festival here in Rome and the great film that I watched, uh, Electric Jesus, which um, was played as a live event in downtown Rome uh, as part of Riff. And we've got a we got a great cast of characters joining us that were totally involved in the movie. Uh, Chris White joins us, and Chris, you were the writer, director, producer, you name it. We've got Daniel Smith, who was the composer. Caleb Hoffman, who is one of the actors in the movie, plays the drummer Scotty. And uh, Chris, I know because we're all remote, we're virtual, we're on Zoom, we're on different devices with different audios. We may have other people join us come and go through zoom and, and what's really interesting about this chris you're in transit are you not yeah i'm about to i'm heading to a different film festival somewhere else that i think that i, I think that makes my life seem way more glamorous than it is uh, because i'm not normally driving around to film festivals you just caught me on a good day well let me say a quick hello to caleb caleb how are you i'm good i'm good thanks for having me on here i'm just chilling in the in the hotel room <laughs> are you still in rome georgia or are you somewhere I'm else? Still, I'm still in Rome. That's right. Yeah. When, when in Rome. Uh, uh, and, and Caleb plays the drummer, Scotty, in the film, Electric Jesus. Yes. Uh, and, he, and he rocks the house. And, <laughs> and, and speaking of rocking the house, the man responsible for uh, composing the music, Daniel Smith, is with us. Hi, Daniel. How are you? Oh, hello. Happy to be here. Can you hear me? <laughs> Yes, we can. Okay, great. Um, so, Chris, since you're the driving force behind the project, uh, Electric Jesus, just you know, give us a synopsis, first of all. What's the film about? Okay, so the film is set in the summer of 1986, and it's about a group of uh, uh, Christian teenagers who are in a hair metal band, hair metal being the glammy kind of metal that was super popular in the 80s, and uh, in some corners of the world is still very popular. Um, but they are a Christian metal band, which means that their mission as a band is to, as they like to say a lot, make Jesus famous. So um, they're, they get a shot to go on the road uh, for the summer and uh, uh, hijinks ensue. Um, it doesn't go exactly as they hoped it would go. And, um, and that's why we, that's why you got to see the movie. You got to see what what happens, <laughs> what goes right and what goes wrong. So it's, it touches on a lot of themes through movies. It touches on uh, young men growing up. It touches on a little bit of love story here and there. Um, yeah, so, yeah. so you touch on a lot of life's themes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I like rock and roll movies that are about bands that don't make it. I prefer that to the stories about super famous people that do. Uh, maybe that reveals something deep in my psyche. But I just think there's more uh, maybe to learn from a, uh, a story about a band that doesn't quite doesn't quite make it. Was this autobiographical at all? <laughs> uh, in the sense that I grew up in a Christian, uh, I was I grew up in a Southern Baptist youth group. And so in that way, it's autobiographical. Um, I was never in a rock band. I wish I was. I wish I was in 316, which is the rock band in the movie. It seems like a lot of fun to have been in that band. <laughs> um, but no, I was more... Um, my experience was, you know, I had, I've noticed that in movies when they have uh, Christian characters, especially evangelical characters, I, I just hadn't seen a movie that had characters that were really like 
what I was like and what I remember from that time. And so uh, this film was uh, my, I guess my chance to set the record straight. <laughs> uh, you know, Christian characters in movies tend to be sinister, stupid, or superheroes. Like they're, they're too good or they're too bad. And I just knew me and my friends are just weirdos who <laughs> love Jesus and Christian music. And, you know, that's, so that's what we tried to make the movie about. Well, and we also tried to make the characters talk like we talked, um, which was like, you know, teenagers, but also a little God talk in there too. Sure. It was, uh, it's certainly interesting to take the, the Christian theme with that type of music. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, um, so yeah, I, I saw the movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, Caleb, as the Thank actor, you. as the actor playing the drummer, Scotty, what attracted you? What do you look for in a role? What made you jump on this? Well, Chris, Chris doesn't like when I answer it this way, but it was a job. <laughs> so I took it. <laughs> um, uh, but for the most part, I'll never forget finding the uh, audition. <clears throat> and, it, and it talked about these teenagers in a worship band uh, or not a worship band, but, a, a, a you know, their garage rock band, basically. And they've, you know, played at church. And that's my story, too. I, I played in the worship band for about 10 years. And um, the character Scotty, it, it was just the most bizarre thing to relive what I had already experienced, except this time around with the mullet and it's 1986. <laughs> so it, it was it was this weird I've been here before, but everything looks a little bit older. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting because I knew we were going to be doing this podcast. I'm watching it with a critical eye, which I probably shouldn't. You, you should you should watch a film and it, it, you just escape into it. But I noticed little things, Chris, and, and the, the Vanna White poster. Uh, you know, I was looking for car models, you know, and, and I know that's part mm -hmm. of that's part of movie making is to create the era. Uh, so hats off there. Obviously, a critical thing of this was the music. Um, so how did you and Daniel, let's, I guess, ask you this. How did you the collaboration with you and Chris start and how did the music all come together? Because it's it's a fundamentally critical component of the film. Yeah, yeah, it was. Well, it started with with Chris and I just talking about. Uh, music from that era, from from mid '80s, and and for me personally, went back to just remembering fifth and sixth grade and what I was listening to then, which was Def Leppard and Quiet Riot and Twisted Sister and and uh, wow. you know you all were, that music. So <laughs> you were a uh, rebel. I mean, it's it's it was it was kids music. <laughs> it was young teenage. You know, I mean, that's what that's what all uh, all of us kids were listening to was 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 this music. And uh, uh, so to go back to that and to, to kind of re-remember and re-listen to that music now with my ears very different than they were then was, was fun to do. And then, and uh, I love writing songs. So there's the challenge there. Uh, and so Chris and I just started, he had some lyrics and I started putting some music to, uh, I think Barabbas was the first one, if I remember correctly. And so we wrote we wrote the the three sixteen songs, and uh, I brought in an old friend of mine from from childhood, and he's been playing metal ever since I stopped listening to metal <laughs> in, sixth, in sixth grade. He's been playing it ever since. So I called him up and said, "Hey, you still playing guitar?" He said, "Every day." So John Montgomery he played electric guitar and all these songs, and it's just been a blast. And and it's it's uh, you know Chris wrote the lyrics and I wrote the music. To, 
to almost all of it. And uh, uh, it's it's been a great challenge and super fun, as you can imagine. Yeah. I think, Roger, one of our things with the music is we wanted the music to be really good, like objectively entertaining to listen to. Because if you're going to sit in a movie for two hours and, you know, it, you need to like the songs. Um, so I got to be kind of silly with the words. The words can be the, the ideas of a 15-year-old kid in 1986. But the music had to transcend that. The music had to be amazing. And one of the beautiful things that Daniel did, in addition to making these, these songs that are just fun to listen to and catchy. I, I don't know anybody who hears Commando for commando for christ and and doesn't just suddenly suddenly feel like um i can't get that song out of my head um so but but what daniel did was he turned the songs into score so as you're watching them watching the movie you actually start you know you 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 start realizing those melodies you're hearing in the score are from these songs so it's kind of crazy in a beautiful way yeah, I actually was going to ask you about because the, the song "Commando" that I, I had not thought about you writing it from the point of view of you know teenage boys, uh, mm-hmm. but that yeah. lyric works great uh, when when you think about it in those terms. Um, did do yeah. was uh, Caleb? You mentioned you had a little bit of drum experience, but um, how how did that help, or how much how much acting were you having to do? <laughs> well, so uh, shout out to Patrick Burkery. That's right. Uh, he, <clears throat> Daniel can speak to him more. He's Patrick Burkery is the studio drummer who, and let me be clear, he's the drums that you hear. And my job was to come in and to make it look like I was Patrick Burkery. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I, you know, I grew up listening. I'm the youngest of four boys. My oldest brother was born in the eighties. So whatever he listened to, I listened to whatever my dad listened to. So the music influences were just all over the place um, while I was practicing drums, but doing this movie uh, really opened up my mind, honestly, to a new, a new way of drumming, new fills, mm. new moves. Um, and I didn't expect that. But that didn't go without getting frustrated. There were some times that I was practicing and I would just stop and just say Chris White's name in vain. <laughs> well, Caleb, where are you from originally? Originally, I'm from Mountain Home, Arkansas. Okay. So you, you can tap into the Southern vibe of this band and the, the, sure. the Bible Belt. You had mentioned your own personal background with it. Uh, Chris, how hard is it to get to make a movie or find funding for a movie or whatever that process is? With with a Jesus theme throughout, um, you know Hollywood take, um, Hollywood takes a rap about um, being a little too secular. Yeah, um, I I think there's a a curious place the movie exists because it is a film that's about Christian characters, but it's not a Christian movie. Like it's not uh, we there's a genre of film that's very successful actually called faith based movies. Yeah, and. Um, and they tend to be, and I don't mean this in a pejorative sense necessarily, but they're more uh, Christian propaganda films. Like, like we have a message and we're trying to get the Christian message across and this, the, the mechanics, the art of the storytelling is meant to endorse this point of view. Okay, that's what I mean by propaganda. And those are very successful movies that are usually made for a 
Christian audience, right? Um, this film, I, I do think, you know, we, we, we certainly want Christians to see the movie and, and I think people of faith will enjoy the movie, but that wasn't our big driving for it. We were just trying to tell a good story that felt true, you know, and honest. And, so, and, and again, we don't, we don't have an ax. I don't have an ax to grind against, you know, my Southern Baptist upbringing or my youth group days or, I, you know, not mad. I know some people had experiences with church and faith that were, were not good. You know, uh, that wasn't my experience. So I can't really speak to that. Um, but in this, this world, I mean, we're just, I think we're just fair. And if we tell a good story and have some good songs and, and actors like Caleb are delivering these performances that are fantastic, I think people kind of connect with it on some level and see it more as a, a coming of age rock and roll movie. Um, yeah. The, is, and, and the characters, is what it is. the characters just happen to be Christian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, um, Caleb, how was the uh, how was the premiere for you at the uh, at the Roman International Film Festival last night? Uh, it, it was a blast. I I actually kind of got a little bit lost on the way to the festival, and I got I got to see the town. This is the be- this is a beautiful town. It, it's my hometown. Thank you for saying that. Well, and coming at a great time with all the. Christmas lights or are those up all the time, those white lights. No, anyway. that's the, but, <laughs> but if you got lost, if you got lost, you are from a small town because you were about four blocks away from where you needed to oh. be. <laughs> if, if Rome is a big town to you and you got lost, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it was, the festival was great. The people were welcoming. Uh, the, there were some students there who had some questions. So there's people eager to learn and just watch uh some 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 good storytelling so i enjoyed it well chris i was there were there were people there last night i mean there's there's representatives of the whole film industry in the state of georgia you know show up to something like this um there are some folks there that are building a studio you know a film studio uh in rome uh who are incredibly you know interested and and just fascinating people so and then of course not just our actors, but some, some actors from Atlanta, from other places were there. So it, it, it actually, you know, for a year of coronavirus where most of the festivals are really down or they're just strictly virtual, um, we actually got some film industry networking happening last night in Rome. I thought it was, that's pretty cool. Well, that's good for the festival. Uh, speaking yeah. of actors, um, we have now been joined on our podcast via Zoom by Skip Wick. <laughs> From Electric Jesus. Hi, it's Brian Baumgartner. I've mispronounced your last name. I just screwed that up. No, you're, 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 you're fine. Baumgartner, yes. <laughs> Brian Baumgartner. Um, most people obviously know you as Kevin from The Office, so thank you for joining us. Um, let's talk a little bit about Skip Wick and your character in this movie, Electric Jesus. Um, you know, I, we were talking about it a little bit last night. Um. I think he's a fascinating character. That's what uh, attracted me to, to play him. He's got a really uh, specific fun journey that he goes through throughout the course of the movie. And um, yeah, I, I, I felt like it was a a fun script with the potential to have um, obviously a close knit ensemble. um, And, and that's what attracted me to it. And you probably remember eighties hair bands. (laughs) <laughs> a little bit it was i'll be honest i wasn't that cool it wasn't my thing uh but i 
I I do remember. Yes. I was aware when I read, I was like, oh yeah, that was a weird thing that happened back then. Yes. Uh, well, I actually, uh, full disclosure here, you and I are high school rivals. Uh, I, I went to Pace Academy. Merit? Oh, I was going to say Maris, Pace, or Lovett. That, uh, was, that was the thing. I, I actually was, I was born and raised in Rome and we moved to Atlanta my junior year of high school, which is a terrible time to switch high schools. We didn't know anything yeah. about any of the private schools and I, I ended up finishing at Pace and I'm a little bit older than you, but I read your bio and oh my gosh, he's, he went to Westminster. He's, I knew you were an Atlanta native, but. Well, I will tell you, it was a, it was a butterfly flap uh, from me going to Pace as well. Wow. I will be, I will be honest. Um, I, no one is interested in this at all, but I mean, I guess it does tell something about me that um, when I was choosing where to go to high school, um, Westminster, the high school that I went to um, had announced that they were building a state of the art theater, like for a high school that was that was basically going to be under construction my freshman year, but in working order. It's called the Kellett Theater there on Westminster's campus. And it was going to be open for my sophomore year. So that just tells you, like, I knew that this was something that was interesting to me from back then and essentially made the decision to go to Westminster because of because of the opportunities that I was going to have in theater during high school. Oh, that's interesting that it, that bug got you. Chris, was that your experience? Is this just something that an industry that you just were always attracted to as well? Yeah. Yeah. I, I specifically remember uh, being in middle school and uh, I saw the second Indiana Jones movie, the one that everybody hates, but I found a making of a book or magazine or something. And I, it just occurred to me that like, oh my gosh, people like, you know, make Indiana Jones's hat or there's, there, there are all these crafts that go into making a movie. And that's just, that was a, a circus I wanted to run away with even at a young age. And, and so uh, I, have to, wait, I have to say something, Chris, we've never talked about this. Like our, I, I don't, cause we're, of, we're, of, you're older than I am. Let's be clear. Yes. We're of relatively yes. the same age. Yeah. And we got, a VCR player when I was a kid and VCR tapes. This is my recollection. I don't think I'm that far off. I think the tapes were like $90. So like for you to watch a movie at home back, not that long ago, everybody simmered down. It would cost 90 to watch one movie that then you would have to watch over and over. Cause that was the, and that the first Indiana Jones was the only movie that I had. That is a true state. That was my. That oh, was really? My. Yeah. So look, Harrison Ford has brought y'all together, and years later, there was a, <laughs> yeah, 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 or Harrison Ford, and, or, uh, or yeah, Steven would, Spielberg. Uh, Brian and I would both like to. Yeah, we're, Brian and I are both available to work on the anything with Harrison, yeah. or Spielberg. Yeah, we're, we're available. Yeah, uh, look, Caleb, if you don't mind me asking, how, how old are you? <laughs> I'm I'm a young pup. I'm 26. But you played a high schooler. So so the when did the acting bug grab you? Uh, what, what the acting bug grabbed me. Speaking of VHS tapes, <laughs> was when my grandmother pulled out her Panasonic camera back in the 90s, and and my granddaddy is a carpenter, and we have tree houses and uh, all sorts of stuff, uh, Ferris wheels. Um, 
on his property. And so our imagination just ran wild. My grandmother would sew us costumes and capes, and then she'd pull out her VHS camera and film us. <laughs> and I remember thinking, man, I really like it when that camera's looking at me. And <laughs> we just we just go to town, get creative, and then me and my brother started making movies on the weekends. We'd get home from school and pull out our VHS camera. And I told my parents in the late 90s, early 2000s <clears throat> that I wanted to be an actor. And when you're two and a half hours away from any interstate, they just kind of looked at me like, all right, bud. <laughs> um, Go get back on that Ferris wheel, Caleb. You know, take another what? spin on the Ferris wheel. Yeah, I have a question yeah. about your story, Caleb. How, how many Ferris wheels are on your oh, granddad's property? Because you I just, said that there are Ferris wheels. So is there, like, what multiple of Ferris wheels is on your granddad's property? Okay. <laughs> when, I, when, I made that, just... when I made it plural, I meant a four-seater. So it's a four-seater Ferris wheel. It doesn't matter. It That's still built... incredible. It was built, I think, in the 70s, but it works off of a, a small engine and a belt, and you can, you you would love it. Brian, you would love it. I, I, hey, okay. we, we've lost time, control. Ne- next time when you're in rural Arkansas, we'll, we'll ride it. <laughs> well, we, we've lost control, but Brian, I was curious too. I was going to ask that question if you had not. Okay, <laughs> uh, it, it, another intriguing thing uh, in the movie-making process or, or television-making process it's just there's so many elements that you know people may not think about. We see the actors on the screen, Chris, but obviously Daniel doing the music, you know how, how that's critical. Writing the word itself. Uh, just talk about the process, all of you, if you could. I guess Daniel, let's start with you um, and and how you get brought into a project. Well, uh, it started with with five years ago, six years years ago. Chris and I meeting and and uh, and and. Uh, well, like, like we talked about before, we started with the songs, those, those couple songs where we wrote for specifically for 316 for that, for that band. And from there, it, it continued to uh, blossom into the, some of the other songs for the other uh, characters in the, in the movie. Um, in terms of the score, it, it, then the score came out of those songs like we talked about. Um, but it was a collaboration with Chris the entire time. So Chris- yeah, and you you record the songs first, and in the studio, so they exist as songs, um, and then you go to set, and we act them. We lip sync, or uh, actually Wyatt Lenhart, who sings for Three Sixteen, and Shannon Hutchinson, who plays Sarah, they sang on the day. They're singing into a microphone. We're recording that, but you know, uh, that was something I didn't even really fully consider. When we started production on the movie, it's like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta pretty much fully make these songs before you even get to set, so that people have stuff to play to, you know. Um, but that, yeah, and but the, Daniel's also um, Daniel came to set and was coaching the band, so Daniel's teaching actors, you know, like Gunner and and um, Will, you know, who don't know how to play guitars, like here's how you play a guitar. So that's an incredible part of the the directing and the coaching of actors is, is that, you know, how do we fake it? So they, they look like they know what they're doing. 
Yeah, the, yeah. There's and, nothing uh, nothing worse than watching a movie where somebody is strumming a bass instead of plucking it or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Brian, what attracted you to the to the character? It's it's, and I mentioned you know people know you from the Office, and I'm going to ask you about the Office, but you've also done work like I, I read your IMDb profile. You've done Law and Order. You've done some other things to to stretch, and this was. Some this is a role nobody has ever seen you in before, to my knowledge. Uh, so, what attracted you to the character? Well, that I mean, exactly what you just said. I mean, the opportunity to play something that I hadn't played before. I, you know, funny enough, I, I really wasn't known for comedy uh, when I was uh, doing theater. So, I, I did theater uh, for a number of years before I moved to Los Angeles, and, and it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't that I didn't do it or couldn't do it, but it wasn't really what I was known for. In fact, <laughs> something like Law and Order or SVU or whatever, that was way more, I, I was doing a lot of dark sort of gritty drama um, and, and classic drama. But um, yeah, I, it, for me, it was, it was the character, the opportunity to play something um, so different. And like I said before, you know, that had a real journey uh, that wasn't just a flavor of something different, but there was actually a, you know, somewhere for, for the character to go. Um, that, that's what, that's what appealed to me. So in this movie, electric Jesus, just for our listeners, you kind of play the, the band's manager, uh, trying to get them to the next level. Um, and, and you're the RV driver of the joy explosion, <laughs> anything and everything to try to get them to the next level. Right. Is it, was that the intent of this character, Chris, to have him be that person in the movie? Yes. And there were, there were people like that involved. There are people like that in, in the music industry in general, but especially in the Christian music uh, business, you know, like the, the fact that this skip Wink guy shows up at their church and supposedly he went, he knows their youth minister and suddenly everybody's family just lets them get in a camper with this guy. That's a tremendous amount of trust. And, um, but it, but it's not uncommon in that scenario. You know, he, he doesn't, you know, he might, might over promise, but he, he, he seems credible. I mean, he, he's got a business card with raised uh, lettering on it. You know, like he, he talks about how he's friends with Petra, you know, like he, he builds a case for, let me take your, your boys on the road. And then, but there's definitely a money angle for it. You know, you can, uh, the exploitation is, of artists has always been and will always be. And that's, that's really what I want from Caleb Hoffman. I'm trying to exploit him. <laughs> <laughs> I've done a great job of it so far. That's I think, about. I think the thing that, um, yeah, I mean, for people who haven't seen it and along the lines of what Chris was going to, you know, I mean, for me, the interesting, the, the truly interesting thing about the character is that the character, I don't, I choose to never judge the characters that I'm playing. And I felt like in the writing, there, there was no judgment on him. I think that you could make a case. He honestly and truthfully believes that he can deliver them to another level. Yeah. He just has issues and obstacles that are, are in his way that are prohibiting him really from ever being able to make that happen. But he doesn't, I think, he doesn't believe that, or he doesn't know that he's just trying to do the best he can until he becomes clearly over his head and, yeah. and his other, and his other demons, you know, continue to creep in. 
demons. Yes, other demons. That's a, that's a storyline mentioned throughout, and and we see come to resolution um, throughout the film. I, I just as a tip of the cap at how good an actor you are, Brian. As I am as I am listening to you and watching you, I'm a big fan of The Office. You are so much smarter than I thought you were going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Keep well. I think. I, I mean, think, thank you. I think thank you. Just thank you for saying that in front of Caleb too. That's what's very important is for him to know and understand that. Well, I'm, I'm just having all kinds of flashbacks of you carrying the chili into the office, and and uh, Holly Flax, Holly Flax, thinking you were mentally challenged for the first episode or two, like. Like this guy, that guy right there. So if you could just talk about that experience, because obviously it's a, one of the classic sitcoms of all time. And, and y'all seem like such a great family on that set. Do you miss it? Oh, sure. Yeah. And I miss, uh, I miss the people a lot right now, especially, uh, you know, I, I've moved a little bit further away than, than where I used to live. And, you know, we've got folks who live in New York and a few people in New York and St. Louis and, you know, kind of spread out around the country now. So, you know, we don't get the opportunity to spend as much time together. And now, obviously, during this, uh, it's it's really not happening at all. So um, but but the work um, on that show, um, we worked. Re- <laughs> I mean, it, let, let's be clear. We weren't digging ditches, but we worked really, really hard, but we had uh, a tremendously fun time because um, the unique thing about that show was everyone, um, everyone had suffered a lot of failures um, in the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when we started, it's, it's very easy to forget now, but there was no one famous who was on our show. Um, there were, there were no stars. And so we all sort of came up together and went through this collective experience together. And much like electric Jesus, I will say for us on that show, it was, we were trying to make the best show we could. And I would say that maybe that's not as unique in independent film, but on a, in a major network comedy show to continue to strive year after year and episode after episode to just try to find not what's easy, but what's best. I think that's what has made it not just survive, but thrive this many years later. Well, it's just, yeah, this- um, Roger, uh, if you guys and your listeners, if you've not found uh, uh, Brian's podcast, an oral history of the office, it's on Spotify. Uh, multiple episodes and a really deep dive into what made the office uh, so great. And, and I, as a creative person, as a business person, I found the whole experience or hearing that, that retelling of how that show came to so inspiring. Um, And I don't care, you know, you don't have to be an artist or an actor or director to listen to that podcast and really feel like, you know, you, you, everything Brian's saying about how the show came together and how the show works and why it was successful is it's just a case study in success, unexpected success, you know, and, uh, uh, very encouraging. 
We might have lost Chris there for a second. Maybe we, no, no, that, I'm that, here. Okay, I'm, he's back. I, yeah. Well, it's it's interesting, Chris. You know, uh, television shows that are on for many years. Brian, you guys stay together as a family for a long time. Movies come together and for a few months, right? And then you mm-hmm. go your separate way. So you, I guess you never know if that chemistry is going to happen if everything is going to click like you want it to. But I guess first and foremost, how did you cast? How did you come to cast Brian and Caleb? How was how what was the casting process like? How does that work? Well. A few people know this, but Caleb only works with Brian. Um, <laughs> he's Brian's no! stand-in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's Brian's stand-in uh, on everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, very different in how I cast Caleb and, and Brian. Brian, I had to, like, coerce into being the movie and pay him lots of money. Caleb, I just had to give him a pizza, and he agreed to do it. Um, no, the, the kids in the movie, the young people, we call them the kids, uh, the young actors in the movie were cast over a couple of years, um, just doing open calls and trying to find, uh, great actors who were not famous, but were also good. You know, like I wanted to find people that hadn't broken yet in the industry, but were good enough to be in the industry. So that was, that was, that was, and then also get chemistry between everybody. It's not even a, it's not just the romantic chemistry that you're looking for between, you know, the ingenues, but also just the friendships. And one cool thing that happened over time, because we had a couple of fits and starts where we thought we were going to make the movie and then it fell through and then we tried it again and it didn't, and we finally made it is over that time. We just kept the band together. Like literally we kept the band together and that paid off because when you watch the film, you really do. It really does feel like you're watching a group of friends uh, having an adventure on the road and they were, they were now with Brian, Brian came to the, the party late, uh, or right before he started shooting when, when that part would be casted. And, but that was cool too, because that's what happens in the movie, right? His character shows up and takes everybody on this adventure on the road. So, and that's a lot of what Brian did when he joined our cast. He, he came in as the guy that, okay, here we go. We're going on a, an acting adventure where we're going to be in a movie together. And um, just did a great job at that, was wonderful at that, and became instantly embraced his role as friend and mentor to his castmates. Um, you know, I, I think for a second there was some uh, adjustment to the fact, oh, my gosh, there's the guy from The Office. Okay. All right, the guy from the office is in, you know, but within a day or two, people were kind of over that and were like, okay, this is our colleague we're working with as actors. And that's a tribute to Brian, just as the person, um, but also a tribute to those young actors who were pros, you know, they were total pros. They were office fanboys and girls, <laughs> but at the end of the day, they were, they were professionals in a movie with another professional. Right. Well, Caleb, that must have been one heck of a pizza if you agreed to work the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, it, he still won't let me out of this room either. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I, no, I got to say when, when, when Brian showed up, you know, all of us, first, first of all, we found out he was casted and we were all kind of like, you know, beside herself. Um, but then he came in as much as I like to tease Brian and just like draw his face on paper and like <laughs> color it with like hair or whatever, or throw darts at whatever I like to do to Brian. On an honest note, when he came in, he, uh, I, as a young, you know, 
starting actor. I I got to watch him, and he was very. The minute he showed up, we had this group meeting. Chris brought just the kids in, us kids in, just to talk to us about like the process, what we're going to do this week. And Brian beelined over it, and he was asking questions. He was he was in the conversation. And then when we got to studying the script, I got to see him at the table read talk about certain lines that I, I never even thought. I didn't even know you could do that. And he was having this conversation with Chris about the character. So uh, to have Brian there with us, you know, youngins, it was uh, an incredible uh, free, free master class, if you will, with with the bum gardener. It was <laughs> yeah. It was enjoyable. Maybe maybe it wasn't free. Maybe you owe him some money. <laughs> yeah, oh. you're not. You're, you still haven't paid my invoices, so uh, we need to follow up on that. They're ninety days past due. Does, does that? Um, well, does the that... other the other thing about Brian is uh, Brian came up in the theater, and that was where my training was too. So, in the casting process with him, when I found out that he was this theater guy, uh, I was like, oh, okay, so this guy can this guy can do some stuff. I mean, uh, I knew we could, we could have conversations about the character and about acting that we, we could speak the same language. And, um, so, and that proved to be true for sure. Does that warm your heart, Brian? Well, no, it's, I mean, it's all incredibly nice, but I, I, I truly, and I'm not just being, I'm not just reciprocating it. I mean, the, the energy and commitment and, uh, dedication, of, of all the guys who were in the band, um, which was evident from the very beginning, uh, was um, was tremendous. And everybody, want, want, again, it's, it's kind of what I was talking about, about The Office. Like, it became very clear that everybody just wanted to try to do the best they could to make the best movie that we could under whatever circumstances that was. And, you know, there were some unique things about this and not bringing it back to the office, but similar in a way where, you know, it's a group of people, you know, we're in most every scene, all of us, you know, Mm -hmm. lots Mm -hmm. of group scenes, lots of time spent together shooting sometime in confined spaces, you know, and that, so it, I mean, it can kind of go one of two ways, right? Like it can either bring you together or you can like, you know, say, get me the hell out of Columbus, Georgia, you know, I mean, like, (laughs) I mean, it's just, and, and, and everybody, every truly everybody bought in and everybody was there and they clearly had um, an energy and a bond between them before I showed up. So, you know, for me, it was like, I I don't want to mess that up. I mean, they clearly have, mm-hmm. you know, a good thing that's going already. So I, I don't want to mess that up. Um, and the way the care, as Chris said, actually, I, I hadn't really thought about that. You know, they have been together for much longer and he does insert him, you know, Skip does insert himself into this close knit bond of people that starts with a meeting at a church hall and ends with mm-hmm. them, you know, spending a lot of time on the road together. Um, I, 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 that's, I hadn't really thought about that before, but that really was the experience also of, of making this film. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting yeah. take. Again, we're, we're talking about the film electric Jesus, uh, which has a, the music is critical and we've touched on that. And Daniel is the composer, Chris, maybe this is for you. Uh, I, I I'm digressing here, but as a little boy, 
I, my parents took me to see Elvis Presley in the early seventies. He was still, wow. he, he was still skinny. <laughs> that uh-huh. that formed my musical taste in like 1973, 1974. And I, sure. I, I had since read that one of the things Colonel Parker did when he did Elvis's movie contracts was they knew the movies weren't the greatest, but Elvis got the soundtrack. So yeah, uh, yeah. is there some potential yeah. monetization here of, of, uh, <laughs> of the music soundtrack, Daniel, Chris? I hope so. I hope so. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> Daniel keeps telling me that's where all the money is, is, yeah. in, uh, is in the music. Yeah, well, well, we'll see. Well, did, did, did your... <laughs> there was a record. There was a soundtrack record. In fact, if you go to Kickstarter right now, you'll see we're doing a, a little crowdfunding campaign to, to make some actual vinyl records. We feel like the soundtrack should be on vinyl. So uh, we've got a, a... I mean, it's a terrific 21 tracks of music songs that you hear in the movie, some of the score from the movie, and then some just extra goodies that are just from the world of Electric Jesus and maybe inspired by it. But uh, I, I, I know the filmmaking part of this, like how to make a movie, and I know working with actors, but my, my greatest joy probably on any project is when you know, we're in that edit and we actually start talking about music. I love it. I love working musicians. Music is just a, a, a big part of my life. And just to have a front row seat to musicians making music was just, man, how thrilling is that? Just incredible. Well, so Colonel Parker was right. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, way, two things, Roger, why didn't we talk before I was putting my contract together on this? But I wish I had understood where the money was. That's a really great, that's a really interesting. Um, But specifically uh, also, I want to say one, the movie, the, the music is truly really good and i say that as again not a fan of really heavy metal in general or christian heavy metal um but but i was sent when chris and i started talking about me playing this he had uh i think oh, yeah that's right i remember commandos for christ let's yeah, all yeah. go commando and mm-hmm. there i think i think there was a second one but I can't remember that one uh, that he sent to me. And he was like, no, no, this is like legit. This is what we're doing. And sent me, you know, again, this was before filming. Um, and I was like, Oh, okay. I mean, I, you know, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's a way to turn this into like a TV show, like the monkeys with the, the, the band. Oh, yeah. I've <laughs> oh man. Now we're no, talking. no, we, no. Yeah. We, there's a there's a definitely a series pitch here, but I got to talk to Brian's people first. So we're we're not talking about that yet. But there is a there is a series pitch for this uh, be, becoming a TV series for sure. Uh, Chris, Georgia is becoming known as kind of this mecca for movie making. Uh, where are you from originally? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I was born in Tennessee, but I grew up in South Carolina, so I'm uh, right across the river in South Carolina. So I'm you. Proud- Sand Lapper. So you know how to use y'all in a sentence properly is the point here. Um, I do. <laughs> lots I do. of, lots of people well. in the country don't know how to use y'all properly in a sentence. That's right. I don't. So, <laughs> so, so uh, when, when you go about trying to start a movie from scratch, how do y'all do that? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you, you don't just start one day, you know, it's, uh, it's always a process and a lot of it is gaining experience and doing small things first and knowing when to 
make them big things, I guess. Um, but a lot of it is, you know, it's, it's, it's way more business than art sometimes. I mean, when we're making it, we're shooting and on the day, a lot of it does feel like uh, uh, art, but most of it's meetings with people and, and trying to get people to, uh, you know, sign off on your vision and invest their hard-earned cash in your idea. From Caleb and Brian's perspective, acting can be a brutal, uh, you know, door shut in your face business. Am I right, Brian? You mentioned you you in the cast of The Office had had some. You kind of all had failures uh, in the industry b- before showing up. Caleb, you're probably knocking on a lot of doors and doing a lot of auditions. What is that process like? From well, I guess maybe from both perspectives, Brian. Let's start with you, from the guy who's made it and and the guy who's trying to make it. Yep. Well, I, I mean, look, it's, I mean, what, what, I don't know. Someone way smarter than me one time said acting is, is I mean, it's just a series of rejection. I mean, it's just, it's just built in. So I'll tell you the first time I was able to say no, it felt really good. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's just, and, and I think the thing that, you know, so many people don't realize is, it's art. So there's no one right answer. Now there can be in the end, a right answer. Right. And I, and I'm, I'm not, I'm actually not even making a joke, but like if you assume Chris is really happy with how this all went together, then for him, this was the, this was the right answer for, for him. Right. But, but when you're, when you're exploring different options and you're going in and you're auditioning, it's just how, you know, how everything works together is so out of your control. And as a, as truly a controlling person myself, I think that for me is a huge challenge, but I think, and I talked about this a little bit last night, so I don't want to repeat myself. I don't know how many overlap we have, but I think that the, the major problem with actors who are starting out is they they don't consider it a business and it's a business. It's an art form, but it's a business. And so the research that you have to do, the work behind the scenes that you were doing, I was just struck with something that Chris just was talking about. And you think about, Oh yeah, that's so fun when you have this motel scene and we're all together and we're working. But when you like rewind and you go, how many hours and hours and hours and hours of work went into preparing to get to that moment, right? It's the same thing with act, with acting, right? And there's hours of prep and learning your craft and how to create a character and, you know, getting yourself in shape or out of shape or working on your, you know, singing or whatever. There's all that. But then there's also like, um, you know, doing the work, researching what's happening. You know, Sean um, was talking last, Sean uh, um, Parsons. Parsons, yeah. Last night was talking about, you know, he. Parsons. Yeah, Parsons looking at the breakdown and seeing this movie, knowing he had a connection to it and reaching out to Chris and saying, I want to be a part of this journey, right? And that's just about, getting a connection with someone who's doing something interesting. And that part of the work is just so vitally important. And, um, 
because if you're if you're take if it's not a hobby, it's a business. And if it's a hobby, then it's a hobby. But if it's not a hobby, it's a business. I don't know, Caleb. I don't know. Yeah, Caleb. uh, No, that's well said. Uh, From from my perspective, um, you know, starting out and trying to get somewhere, I heard um, um, I was watching this interview with George Clooney, and he said, you know, as an actor, you're the product. So when you get rejected, it's not like you can say, oh, you didn't like that. Well, well, I've got this. Uh, You are the product. Um, So when you get told no, uh, no's for me, I'm I'm fine with. Uh, It's it's, um, you know, you got to get used to it. But the thing about pursuing acting for me is is having I mean, it's all I want to do. And I'll talk to some actors who have one foot in and then one foot out of it. And I, I think to myself, I, you know, I, if I had one foot in of interest of acting and then another foot in a, a totally different world, I, I, I couldn't do it. Um, so for me, uh, I have set my, my grounds work, my life, my day to day work um, to just pursue acting with this reckless ab- abandonment. And I don't, um, you know, it's just me. I don't have kids. I don't have any kind of, you know, marital commitment. So I, I can, I get to be a little bit more, um, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Wild with, with the pursuit and, and not have a plan B right now. That's my thing is I don't have a plan B. And, um, I tell myself, uh, either I'm gonna, it's gonna work out or I'll never know because, um, in that instance, maybe I just die trying. Um, but, but I'm always, you always just got to keep pushing and and take every, every single available opportunity. I see people not, you know, sometimes not, they can't go to events here and there. And, um, it's just, it's a struggle to, uh, to show up. Um, but Sean was giving me advice last night. He said, just always remember Caleb that when they come knocking and the, um, opportunity makes itself available show up you ready that's great advice um well i know we're running out of time chris there was one uh, one other quick question we have not mentioned that mm-hmm. Jed, Jed nelson plays a critical role in the movie yeah. uh, which is is ironic that the movie is taking place in the mid 80s and most people remember him starting his career as as bad boy on the breakfast club yeah yeah um yeah Judd was really a, a a hero of mine as a young actor uh if you were if you were in high school when i was and doing theater or dreamed of doing acting. I mean, he was, you know, he was one of the guys you wanted to be like, um, but yeah, he, uh, we had this part for, um, the, the main, uh, the female leads father, who's a, who's a preacher. And it just, I don't know. We, we thought, could it be Judd Nelson? And, uh, we pitched in the part and he just ate it up. You know, he, he, um, Judd is actually, I think he was raised, uh, Jewish, um, but he has an abiding interest in all things religion and philosophy and everything. So we had a great time working with him. And again, that was, that was kind of a thrill, you know, to, to get an actor of that, 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 that heritage, that, that, like you said, you know, the, the summer of 1986 when our film is, is happening is when Judd was, you know, one of the biggest, the Brat Pack was big and, you know, I think, Pretty in Pink was out and John Hughes movies and the breakfast club had been out the summer before. 
Um, and I think that was when he was on that episode of Moon Moonlighting, the TV show. Judd was on an episode with Whoopi Goldberg that won all these Emmys, and so he was he was a pretty big deal in the, in 1986 <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, it was just so interesting to me to see that casting. And the last question, just out of curiosity, uh, your your female lead um, does she do her own singing? Yes. Um, does Daniel your- can, Daniel's my my proof of that. He can he he heard the voice come through the microphone and recorded it, and it is all Shannon Hutchins. All She's her. wonderful playing playing Sarah, and you're the the lead singer of the band Electric Jesus. Um, did he do his own singing? Absolutely, Wyatt Linhart, uh, who's from Highland, Utah, and uh, he comes from a family of musicians. Every one of his brothers and sisters are are amazing musicians. He's an amazing musician. But yeah, he can, that's his voice. And every time I hear those tracks, I'm just, you know, I, you know, it's what a pleasure to know him and to have found him and put him into this role. And, and just a great guy. Caleb can tell you he's a great, great castmate, great human being. And did, did Brian do his own singing? Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> every note of it. Yeah. And, and, and choreography. Yeah. There, there, there is a little bit of singing. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I, I know you guys yeah. need to go. Uh, I appreciate it. The film is Electric Jesus. Yeah. Where where can people expect to see it, Chris? How do, how do people see it? Well, we're in festivals uh, at, to the end of the year, and uh, early next year we will be in release. So I can't say anything specific about that. But if you go to any of the social media, however you – interact with the world on social media. If you look up electric Jesus or, uh, E Jesus film, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook. There's a website, electricjesusfilm.com. Uh, get on the G's team. We're, we're join the band as we say, yeah, got to make Jesus um, famous. It's, it's, well, it's a lot of fun or, su- or support the movie. One yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However you can. Well, yeah. th- thanks everybody. Uh, Chris, thanks, Roger, Roger. Caleb, Daniel, yeah, Brian, appreciate it. Nice Thank meeting you. everybody and good luck with the film. Thank you. Thank you. And you've been listening to Rome Business Radio. I'm Roger Manus, broadcasting from the Hardy Realty Studios, and we work in connection with the Rome News Tribune.